ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. show that wants to do the right thing in any situation. For example, what is the right way to bang a drum? Check it's still conscious and ask for its consent. You're not a premiership footballer! <laughs> I'm Danielle Ward and with me trying to do the right thing today, if the Troubles and Rick Mayle had a baby, he'd still hate it. It's Michael Lay. <laughs> and with him, he's the granddaddy of podcasting in that he's got one really good one and the rest are an embarrassment. <laughs> And on my right, her priest doesn't fancy her at all. This <laughs> <laughs> father came on Smith. <laughs> and if the feminists had a king, it would be her. It's Deborah Francis White. <laughs> anyway, it's time for round one. The importance of being right. Just like any woman anywhere who achieves anything but also has a Twitter account, I've run into some trouble online. <laughs> In this round, I'm going to give each team a scenario and they're going to tell me what the right thing to do is according to Tommy Cannon and Bobby Internet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, press stop. We're done. <laughs> Michael and Richard, you've been to a brilliant showbiz party full of people you like and also some twats, but you didn't talk to them. And now you're outside your house with a lovely drunk lady on one arm and a bag of dirty takeaway on the other. It really has been the most perfect romantic evening. Sure. You open your front door and kiss the lady at the same time, multitasking. When mid-snog, she says, what's that smell? Your face falls. How did she know? You've got your neoprene cycling shorts on and everything. But she's talking about gas you've paid for rather than self-made. So what is the right thing to do if you smell gas in your house, according to Confused.com? Well, strike a match to find out where it's coming from. <laughs> got to see the bastard. Have you ever had a gas leak in your house rather than arse? No, but I... that reminds me of a brilliant story, which I swear to God might be... The maddest thing I've ever heard a human being ever fucking say, ever. When I was probably 14, I was in my bedroom and I was just about to light my own fart. When, as fate would have it, my dad walked in just as the flame came out of my bum. And my own father, who is a good parent but doesn't always know what to say in a situation... <laughs> said these words, Michael, do not do that ever again. 
<laughs> That's how Roy Orbison's children died. <laughs> I mean, it isn't. <laughs> would you have been upset if you'd have lit the fart and then turned around and a cup of tea would have been on the side of... <laughs> If I let a fart and a cup of tea appear, <laughs> I think I'd have a breakdown. Richard Herring, have you ever lit a fart? Uh, I haven't ever lit a fart. I have experienced a gas leak, but <gasps> not a smelly gas leak. I've experienced a carbon monoxide gas leak. Oh. We recently moved to the countryside and we had a house renovated and we got a new boiler, so it, should have been, it kept breaking down uh, and they put the flue in a weird place. And then... Weirdly, luckily, and this is just chance, the builders had left a carbon monoxide alarm in the house because they were worried about something else. <laughs> it was I was burning my Christmas tree on a log burner. Oh, this is dark. That's how, you, that's how, you, my, you, that's you how my life has become. On Christmas Eve. That's what I was imagining. I was just imagining a sort of Jack Nicholson-style breakdown where the children are going, Daddy, no! It was, I didn't have in Christmas this year. <laughs> It was after Christmas. I just was, I was throwing, I, was, I thought it'd be nice. It was burning really brightly. And then the carbon monoxide alarm went off and I thought, oh my God, well, it's probably because I'm burning the Christmas tree. So I Googled that and it said, yeah, if you burn the Christmas tree, that can give off. You shouldn't do that. Oh, don't, Jesus hates don't, that. Don't, don't, don't burn. Let them weather away naturally like we let him. And so we left it. We thought it was the Christmas tree. Then the morning I was out and my wife rang and said, the carbon monoxide alarm's gone off again. I went, oh... What should we do? Because it's not the heating, it's the Christmas tree. <laughs> I was embarrassed to ring the gas board to ask about it. Sure. But what you do in that case is, I think the number is... It's either 111999... Yeah, it must be 111999. Because the nine, other one, yeah. They don't know. They don't understand you're going to... They don't get that you're going to carry on. It doesn't... 0818118181. Get carbon monoxide alarms is my mate. I now have seven carbon monoxide alarms. And I take one with me everywhere I go. And so a guy... It was great. A guy came around really quickly and said there was nothing wrong. He said probably it's the Christmas tree. And then he turned on the boiler and then his machine went beep, 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 beep. He went all around the house. And my son was about six weeks old. His bedroom was right by the boiler. So it basically went into my six-week-old son's uh, bedroom. Oh so if we hadn't had So that, you were all right? Yeah. So I, <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's, but it's also, but, isn't it, the way you work out that you've got carbon monoxide poisoning is if you're a bit sleepy and a bit stupid. And yeah. that's sort of babies, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. And then... We moved into a flat that had previously been a bit of a squat that we were doing up. And we had this thing where the alarm would go off. And at first, I just thought the alarm was faulty, because that's what I assume when alarms go off. I go, if I hear a fire alarm, I go, oh, fire alarm's gone off. Fix the fire alarm. I never think to look for a fire. And then it happened too many times, so we called a man out in the middle of the night. And he went, oh, yeah, this boiler you've got in your kitchen, we had a sort of little mini boiler. He said, that's only meant to be on the outside of houses. And this guy said, oh, no, you would have died. If you hadn't called us, you would have died. No question. I mean, not, I don't think that night, but over a period of, of weeks or months. Eventually. Eventually it would have kicked in. And you still will, I mean, don't, no need for that kind no, of talk. we're going to die. OK, all right. Fine. OK, Margaret, thank you. And um, I'm going to heaven, I'm fine. <laughs> Margaret, mm. what does your house smell like? <laughs> I actually um, cooked some cauliflower so badly recently that I bumped into a neighbour and she was like, oh my God, can you smell that? And I completely <laughs> disowned it. I was like, yeah, horrible, isn't it? And I was like, no, that's my lunch. <laughs> Do 
Yeah, Micah, do your, do your house smell? Do your house smell? <laughs> yeah, my house stinks. I'm a man. Yeah. Why do you all wank into socks and then leave them? <laughs> Why? That is my private collection. <laughs> OK, I put a lot of myself into that. So how dare you? <laughs> I'm, wor- I'm worried that Michael's inhaled some carbon monoxide. <laughs> Have you ever had to evacuate a building, Michael? <laughs> well, as is my homeland's culture, <laughs> I may have wrung a person or two over the years. No. You never had to. All your talk of the troubles, never once had to run away. No, I never got involved. I'm very much a voyeur of the troubles. <laughs> I just get off on it. I once. Um... I was once at Warren Street Station when the bomb alarm went off and yeah. they were like screaming at everybody, you got to evacuate the station. I ran up the first set of escalators, properly terrified, not that proper shaking adrenaline. And then when I got to the second set of escalators, I was like, oh, it's probably all right now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> would have died. Has anybody ever had to evacuate an actual... Oh, yeah, in the middle of the night when I was at uni, it was a quad... And we all had to come down at three o'clock in the morning in our pyjamas, and it was terribly bonding. And some interesting people came out of each other's rooms. Yeah. <laughs> Not mine, sadly, but <laughs> Not people's. even you. A lot of very dull people came <laughs> but, but by interesting people who? Like Stephen uh, Hawking? <laughs> <laughs> no. Stephen Hawking and Malala just went, hey, leave it. Margaret, mm. if you got home and you smelt gas, what would you do? Um, I really like the smell of gas. Can I, can I just sort of enjoy it for a bit? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some points here, hasn't there? Ring someone. Your mum. Ring yeah. your mum. Oh, <laughs> the real answer is open the windows. Don't turn the lights on. The... Don't watch a film. <laughs> Don't, Don't stop to wank anything. into a sock. <laughs> or... You can do Hang that. On. You can do that. <laughs> if you're or... wanking very exactly. fast the and it's nylon... dangerous. Then it yeah. might be If there. you're shagging someone <laughs> interesting or someone you shouldn't be, get them to go out a back exit, <laughs> down a fire escape, should you have one, and ring... If you're but... shagging someone <laughs> interesting... <laughs> <laughs> oh, get, get Richard's baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the children out. Yeah. Producer Ben, is anybody close... I've given out loads of points. Whee! So, this is Confuse.com's advice. So, first of all, they say, use your nose. It is your personal gas alarm. Domest- Not for carbon monoxide. Not for carbon monoxide. <laughs> no. But domestic gas is odourless, so energy providers add a smell to the supply yeah, to enable people that. to sniff out a leak straight away. I give Margaret half a point for saying, enjoy the smell. Um, <laughs> it might be your last. <laughs> they then say, got a blocked nose or lost your sense of smell? You're still able to tell if there's a gas leak from the physical symptoms, which can include dizziness, fatigue, nausea, headaches, and irregular breathing. So Margaret's description of babies gets a point there. And then don't be a bright spark. Electrical switches or naked flames are a no-no. This includes flicking on a light switch. Don't even think about lighting a cigarette. So one point for Richard there for saying... Don't, switch Don't on the even think Don't about lighting like a cigarette. That's the most, that's the most <laughs> normal the thing. One, yeah. Don't light a fire. <laughs> Don't walk in with a flaming torch. <laughs> Don't walk in if you're on fire. <laughs> um, point for Deborah for ventilate the property, open the windows and external doors to allow Thank the gas to dissipate quickly. Not one <laughs> point for Roy Orbison's children. <laughs> <laughs> they died in vain, Ben. They died in vain. Uh, I haven't finished the answers yet, Michael. Um, (laughs) Finally, a blue plaque for those dead kids. 
Uh, and then another point for Richard here, because you got the number spot on. Seek professional help rather than attempting to sort the problem out yourself. Phone the National Gas Emergency Service on 0800 111 999. Tell the neighbours... If you think they may be affected by the leak, it's better to be safe and sorry. And uh, wait for the all clear. Don't let anyone back inside until there's clearance to do so, apart from the person who's repairing the leak. <laughs> that is their helpful advice. It's so annoying, having to, we, they told us to go outside, but it was cold. We stayed yeah. inside. <laughs> we stayed in with the kids. <laughs> and you just stayed in there breathing <laughs> in carbon monoxide. So, you've started a podcast about stone clearing. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret and Deborah, ever since you were a little girl, you've wanted one thing. A fishy tail instead of legs. Oh, how you wish you were like Madison in Splash. She's got legs and a tail. How does that work? Anyway, it's Halloween. You're dead set on going to the annual podcaster's fancy dress ball as a mermaid with your husband as Tom Hanks. But he wants to go as Professor X and Magneto. You can be Professor Rex if you like, because his legs don't work and he's a bit like a mermaid. <laughs> It causes a huge row, but your husband isn't budging as he's hired the costumes already. So what is the right way to change someone's mind according to psychologytoday.com? Now, I know this because I used to be a Jehovah's Witness. And that was my full-time job, knocking on doors to change minds. As now, a Jehovah's Witness, surely people just said, go away. Oh, yeah, but then you've got to be good at getting beyond that, Daniel. The answer is you have to ask lots of questions. So if somebody comes to the door, what you can't say is Armageddon's coming, you're going to die unless you listen to Jehovah, because they don't like that, and they just slam it in your face. So what you've always opened with a question... So I, I, Margaret would be great. If I'd, I would have loved it if you'd opened the door, Margaret. So I would go... Oh, no, I'd just say, I'm a Catholic. And they go, I'm telling that, you. Well they, well, they are poor at their jobs, because mm. would, that would be an opener for me. So I would go... Hello. You Hi. can't come in. Say <laughs> <laughs> so you're Catholic. I'm a Catholic. That's interesting. What do Catholics believe about the end of the world? Do you think there is an end of the world coming? Or is it more a situation that you're going to die and... Did I stutter? <laughs> <laughs> See, now that's... I'm like yeah, in real life. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you all. <laughs> Notice that Margaret had asked a question back. And that's a very useful technique. Um, and we would go on like this until somebody broke and answered one of the questions and Margaret was a Jehovah's Witness. Or I was a Catholic. Either way, either way, I'm fine with it. Richard Herring, are you the person who decides things in your household? Or are you the person that gets told what's happening? No. I'll argue for a long time, so I am quite tenacious. But eventually, I'll just do what my wife says. So I should just, <laughs> so I should just learn that now. If you were going to go to a fancy dress party with your wife, what yeah. couple's costume would you do? I couldn't tell her what to wear. Uh, what couple could we do? Um, Beauty and the Beast. Aww. Uh, my wife. My wife's the Beast. <laughs> Michael. Hello, mate. So you're vegan. You have had sex with women who have then become vegan. Yeah. What is your technique? <laughs> I Can just I... slip them a big old length of leaflets. <laughs> Gives them something to do while I'm fucking them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people would see Deborah's so face. <laughs> you, God, you look so upset. <laughs> it's just so un unnecessarily unpleasant. I feel... That's considerate, isn't it? I think it's considerate. It's considerate. They're bored. If you're having sex with Michael, it's considerate. Yeah. What would you want? 
To not fucking have something to read while I'm banging you? I'd rather, if you can get Netflix on your phone now. Well, then you're all right. What was the question? How have you managed to fuck the dairy out of other women? <laughs> Trust me, as a Northern Irishman, I never fuck the dairy out. It's just the London dairy I fuck out. <laughs> Have you ever succeeded in making someone vegan? Well, Apart from women you've had sex with, who all become vegan for some reason? Well, because I put them off any sort of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is sperm vegan? Are you allowed to eat sperm if you're a vegan? Oh. It's alive, isn't it? It's alive. I'm not going to suck <laughs> your dick. <laughs> So you're not allowed then, that's what you're saying. Uh, yeah, it's not vegan. It's not vegan. <laughs> it's not vegan, is it? Because they are little swimmers. They yeah, are alive. alive. But Michael doesn't care about people. No. People Only animals. Why he would eat a baby? Yes, I've seen him. <laughs> if it looks enough like an avocado, I'll fucking eat it. <laughs> Should you use several different arguments to change someone's mind? Yes. Yes. As a Jehovah's Witness, can I say, you absolutely should. So, say, for example, you were trying to convince them that Armageddon was coming. Is that what Jehovah's Witness is? Yeah, Armageddon's coming. You've God's going the, to destroy everyone who's not a Jehovah's Witness. Armageddon's that sounds persuasive. Armageddon's coming. <laughs> so, you would show them um, lots of different prophecies. For example, you'd show them um, the prophecy about war, the prophecy about famine, the prophecy about the environment. So, you'd show them the facts... Um, if you're listening at home, I've done air quotes. There are no facts about this because this is made up. But at the time, I thought there were. I'm sorry. I feel stupid in retrospect. Um, and then, so you show them the facts. Then you'd make an emotional plea. Do you want your children and family to survive? And how do you think God feels about this? Empathy with somebody else, someone you can't see, sure, but you can imagine. And so you'd make a whole heap of different arguments. It's got to be multifaceted and all the time. Brainwashing only works if it's all the time. It's got to be all the time. You've got to get them to meetings three times a week. You've got to be visiting them the whole time and wear them down are there more points now <laughs> what so, about being nice do oh, i get a point ben oh rich be yeah, nice rich, rich has got a massive following on twitter do you reckon you could convert your followers just with a no it's an echo chamber they all think exactly the same as me <laughs> <laughs> they're following me because i speak sense <laughs> You try and convince people every year that there's an international men's day. That is true. <laughs> Producer Ben, is right. anybody close? Oh, well, this is a bit of a roller coaster round for Deborah. Because um, according to Psychology Today, their article is based on the work of Kevin Dutton, PhD, a psychologist at Cambridge. And his five rules of changing someone's mind have the easy to remember acronym SPICE. Mm-hmm. So, according to. Uh, Sporty, posh. <laughs> Ice. <laughs> Cunty. <laughs> Even cuntier. The five spice girls, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to think which ones they are. Imagine having to be even cuntier spice. <laughs> I go by Jerry. Whatever. <laughs> I feel like that was an early brainstorm. <laughs> Some revisions were made. <laughs> Sadly, uh, my spice is less spicy. Um, So S, in terms of whether you should use several different arguments at once, S is for simplicity. They say keep your message short, sharp and simple to convince people it's true. So... Well, he would say that one with his stupid spice system. (laughs) 
Well, that's a point for you anyway for International <laughs> okay, Men's we'll Day. Uh, Deborah, I'm afraid that's minus one point for you, but fear not, because P is for perceived self-interest. Be sure to focus on the benefits to the person whose mind you want to change, rather than emphasising your own wishes and emotional history. So trying to say, do you want to save your family from Armageddon, is, uh, I guess, appealing to their perceived self-interest. Um, I is for incongruity. Surprise people. Tell them your cupcake is 400 pence rather than four pounds and they'll be far more likely to buy it. This man has never sold the Bible door to door. He can go fuck himself. He's done some Ponzi PhD. He's drunk his way through it. This man is straight and white or I will absolutely eat this table. He really came up. He really came up with spice. He got simplicity and thought, what five-letter word begins with S? He's spice. And he's gone, shit, what am I going to do for the others? Well, incongruity. It's an A in break. Makes the simplicity rule. Bullshit! <laughs> Those cupcakes are too expensive as well. Um, C is for confidence. Definitely one point for Deborah there. The more confident you are, the more people believe you're right, even when they know your facts are wrong. Hashtag Donald Trump. That's what they say. Oh, yeah. Think aggressive politicians and other salespeople, they say. And E, finally. Even cuntier. <laughs> e is for empathy. Uh, look people in the eye, nod when they nod. Tell them you're from the same small town they are. <laughs> Wherever it is. So, a point to Michael. I'm from that small town known as Planet Earth. A point to Michael for being nice. And a point off for Deborah for wear them down. Excuse so, um, me, I literally said the word empathy. Stop wearing them down. Excuse me, I said build empathy even if it's with God who they can't see. Point, okay, and then he said, wear them down. So yeah, but We'll take one off and add one on, and then we're back where Fair we enough. were. Fair enough, I'll do that. And Ben is now a Jehovah's Witness. At <laughs> uh, the end of that round, Ben, what are the scores? Richard and Michael have five, and Margaret and Deborah have three and a half. Oh, God, I'm easily the funniest one. Now... Thanks for listening to Do The Right Thing so far. Uh, before you switch off, why don't you help us out by donating some money to us so that we can make future episodes. We'd be very, very grateful if you did that. Why don't you go to comedy.co.uk forward slash DTRT forward slash donate to find out all the many ways that you can give all your money to us. Please give us your money because we want to make more episodes. Thanks. Love you. Bye. Bye. In this round, I'll be getting the panel to solve some problems from our audience, but before that, I'm going to prod their empathy pots with a letter sent to a real agony aunt. Michael, could you read this, please? Dear agony aunt, a decade ago, I was in a three-year relationship with a woman called Sylvia. (laughs) So... So... Tricky. <laughs> Sorry, there is more. There is more. Uh, a decade ago, I was in a three-year relationship with a woman called Sylvia. She wanted to settle down, square. But I was not ready to commit. Cool. <laughs> I did not know what to do, and well, I ghosted her. <gasps> Murdered her. <laughs> did she not know the cool parlance? While she was away, I simply moved out and left the country. What? That's that's what he simply did. (laughs) Sylvia became rather emotional and obsessed. Oh! 
tracking me down, even causing scenes with my parents. I mean, she probably thought he'd died or been kidnapped or something. It's I would have fucking been thought so. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I think that's the worst part of the whole fucking thing. Anyway. What have you been up to? <laughs> I love the idea that that's what he's saying to the yeah. agony arms. Anyway. Fast forward to now. I work as a teacher in an international school. This week, our school director suddenly resigned. And the school has appointed a new director to start soon. I read their bio and was shocked to discover this new director. Well, this person is thick because we totally got it. I read their bio and was shocked to discover this new director is... Sylvia! I don't think Have it you is. you read this? Because it is Sylvia! <laughs> I've no idea how to deal with this mess that I created. <laughs> I'm not in a position to find another job as there are no other international schools in this country. <laughs> oh. Move countries again. <laughs> More importantly, I am happy and settled here, so do not want to move. What oh. should I do? It's weird, Michael. Yeah, you sounded um, sack of shit. <laughs> you sounded a little bit judgmental during that. <laughs> That's not ghosting, by the way. Like ghosting is not returning calls. Yeah. Moving countries. <laughs> it's a really loose use of the yeah. word ghosting. I did have this happen to me once. <laughs> not, not as extremely as this, but my friend and I, when I was living in Australia, we had a flatmate who was a young woman. I mean, I say woman, we were all kind of teenagers, really. And my other flatmate and I were going away for the weekend. And we said, would you mind feeding our cat? And she said, sure. And when we came back, the cat was climbing the walls like she was absolutely frantic. And there was a note that just said, I don't live here anymore. <laughs> and she just left the cat. She hadn't said to her neighbour, could you feed the cat or anything like that? I don't live here anymore. Isn't that sinister? It's, it's more like sinister a... if she's then sitting in the living room and she is still... <laughs> it's a bit like a thriller. <laughs> I, myself... Was it written in shit? <laughs> no! I'm like... checking. Comic sounds what I even did. worse. <laughs> Seriously. Why would you not dump someone in Comic Sans? That's a great idea. I mean, because then they'll go, oh, he's a cunt. I mean, yeah, then helpful. You're, it's the nicest thing you can possibly do. I, I've only ghosted one person. You've um, ghosted someone? Yeah, my personal trainer. I just stopped returning his calls because I just didn't want to exercise anymore. So Are we're you just still paying him? He owed me a lot of money and I just like take it. He, he owed you money? money. I paid oh, I in advance. So oh, I paid, he I paid for money. 20 classes... And then I'd done eight, and I was like, no, I don't want this. And I wanted to just text back, give them to a homeless person or something. Like, do... <laughs> they need to get buffed. I mean, honestly, the amount of times I see homeless people yeah, go, mate, They've let do you want to go to the go. gym? And, and I just give them my gym pass. And honestly, their little faces... No, OK. Can you please edit that out? That's not what Brilliant. I Brilliant. Finally, I can go on a treadmill. Because if there's one thing I've been worried about, it's my weight. I, you, you've made me sound heartless, Michael. <laughs> Could you please edit that out? What I they are not say, editing that. I'm telling you now. That's begin the podcast in. with that. 
papers, give them to charity. And it came out wrongly, and I apologise. Absolutely nothing I like better than going to Oxfam and giving starving Africans my gym card. They send it over there, go, have we got a well, Dad? Well, there's a water cooler, if we can fucking get there. Oh, shall we go by boat? We haven't got a boat. We can't afford one. The irony of the rowing machine being there. So my advice is... Um, sit back and wait for the manoeuvre known as the reverse gender pay gap. Um, you have been targeted and she is your boss and she is about to make your life absolute hell and if you could keep those letters coming telling us on how vile your life becomes under her bloodthirsty reign we would all appreciate it because we women stand together who have been screwed over by cunts like you and we look forward to hearing the most gory of the gory details <laughs> Richard Herring, have you got any advice for this poor, poor man? Oh, yeah, he's a poor man. Oh, he, he that woman the... made a scene in I mean, front of his parents. <laughs> he's got so little self-awareness, he should become a stand-up comedian. That is, that, is, that, is my, that is my advice. I feel a little bit sorry for him. Do you? Do you? No. How? I'm someone who looks for the good in people. <laughs> no, you <laughs> fucking you aren't. <laughs> Ben, what advice did the real agony aunt give? Have a fucking look at yourself. <laughs> Late dashboard points there from Richards. So, this advice comes from askamanager.org. <laughs> this is what they say. They say, if you had ghosted her after a month of dating, it would have been rude, but potentially salvageable. But three years? That is um, a squeaky font. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, normally, I advise people to put aside personal emotions in order to conduct themselves professionally, but I don't even know how that could work for Sylvia. She's going to be horrified when she finds out that you work at her school and that she's supposed to manage you. Your best chance is to contact her ahead of time to let her know you work there so that she's not blindsided by it on her first day. Acknowledge that you made a terrible mistake when you disappeared. Say He's not going to do that. No, I know. He's not, if we know anything about his character, we know that the one thing he can't do is send an email. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to pretend he's died. I'm getting a point for Richard for have a look at yourself because they say acknowledge that you've made a terrible mistake when you disappeared say that you're very sorry for the hurt and alarm you caused her and that you realise that working together is going to be tricky but he isn't <laughs> he's not he sorry tricky be aware that apologies are going to sound pretty hollow and self-interested especially as you aren't sorry yeah. <laughs> since you had ten years to apologise and are only doing it now that she's in a position of power over you <laughs> But acknowledging your behaviour is better than not acknowledging it at all. And then I gave Richard a point and also Deborah a point for Ask a Manager's last bit of advice, which was, I'd be prepared to have to move on from your job. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard said, move country, point for that. And Deborah said, she's going to make your life absolute hell. <laughs> well, now you've learnt how a real agony aunt does it, let's see you deal with some problems from tonight's audience. Is Ashley here? Ashley with the mother. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley's problem is, my mother gave me a voucher for a day out. All the possible choices are for two people. I want to take my girlfriend, but I think my mother wants me to take her. What should I do? Oh. Are any of these vouchers sexy? <laughs> 
So there's no sort of massage uh, mud for bath for two, massage for two. No. Anal sex for two. Nothing. <laughs> so what sort oh. of thing are they? I suppose it's... Uh, Falconry. Di- uh, <laughs> <laughs> dinner on top of the shard for two. That's right. That's on right. top hey. of the shard. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can... that's anal. Yeah. You... <laughs> You cannot say to your mum, let me take you up the shard. <laughs> That's what I'll use, actually, if yeah. it comes down to that. Well, that just... makes you think she wants you to take her. Yeah. Well, it's What's... a mix of... She has a pathological need to consume all of my free time, but also because she's... <laughs> <laughs> but also because she's a really good mother and I want to be, like, a good child to her and Can I ask take her out if she wants to. Great. Is your mother and your girlfriend the same person? <laughs> <laughs> Because that solves it. I've solved it. No, no. I might have solved it. I think you look like a person of means there in a waistcoat. And that haircut costs more than 20 quid. I can see it from here. So I'm going to suggest... I think your dad did it on the Did you cut the hair? You My mother owns a hair salon, so I get it all done I was right. I was right. The plot thickens, guys. So I... I, I can't keep track of any of this. I, I'm just. <laughs> what I'm going to suggest is you stump up the cash and you take them both. Yeah. I think that's a very sensible decision, actually, yeah. Point. Or right. make them fight. Oh. No. One of them loves you the most. <laughs> actually, there's a very simple solution. Oh, God. Which yeah. one, out of your mother and your girlfriend, do you love more? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. And if you can't decide, you send them together and you stay home. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Again, that's another one. That would really help them get to know each other, actually, yeah. Ashley, who would you like to give points to? Easily Deborah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, easily Deborah. Easy Deborah. <laughs> that's easy spice to you. It's <laughs> uh, Laura here. Laura with the husband. Laura's problem is my husband will be away when the next episode of Game of Thrones airs. It's one of our things. Do I wait for him to get back or shall I watch it without him? How good are you um, at, like, gasps and things? (laughs) I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm thinking lying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's the new infidelity now, isn't it, getting ahead of TV shows? I would much rather my husband fuck someone else on tour if I didn't help. <laughs> if I found out he'd got a head in The Handmaid's Tale, that would be over. That'd be it. And once it happened, I'll tell you, and this is how old we are, it happened during Friends. When you still had to tape things off the telly on a VHS, we always saved it, and he'd rolled it back, so I wouldn't know. And there was some big plot twist. I did some kind of a response and went, oh, my God. And he went, yeah, the first time I saw it. And I went, what? <laughs> He's... I picked up the remote, I paused it, and I said, what did you say? And he went, oh, I just meant... And I said, no, you didn't. And he went, OK, 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 I'm really sorry. I watched it when you weren't here. He my... should have said, I've travelled from the future and <laughs> Friends is on all the time there. <laughs> it's... So I've seen this one. Now I must return. <laughs> Makes sense. I think it's. I think making your partner wait is as selfish as the whole concept of monogamy, um, which I think is fundamentally flawed. Because obviously we want to have sex with a lot of people, but basically what you're saying to the other person is, I so hate the idea of you being happy without me. I'm prepared to sacrifice it myself. Wow. What well, really wonderful escalated. vows you must have had. Anyway. <laughs> God. Richard, have you got any telly programmes that you and your wife watch together? And if you watched it apart, it would be like putting your penis into Gemma Chan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch that one with her. Um, 
because I was away on Mondays doing Rahelisteper, and Alan Partridge and Fleabag was on the same night, and we agreed that we could both watch Alan Partridge separately, but then she watched Fleabag separately as well. Oh, oh, divorce. And you fucking bought her a carbon monoxide detector. (laughs) (laughs) I was bereft, I didn't know what to watch on my own. Unlike unlike Gemma Chan, who I know how to watch on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Have you thought about doing a podcast about you watching Gemma Chan on your own? (laughs) If that's what you want, Michael, I'll be there for you. I mean, in a way, it's clearing stones. (laughs) (laughs) Laura, who does your husband want to see on the Iron Throne? I'll put Cersei he's, there. Why not? The husband's here. He's here. Why don't you have this conversation with him? <laughs> Husband, what's your name? James. Hello, James. So if she watches it without you, what are you going to do? You'd certainly be entitled to take your mum up the shard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm what a very forgiving feeling? person. I think it'd be all right. You don't mind her watching it without you? Shame. 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 Go on, propose. That's so nice. <laughs> I'm like proposing on this. <laughs> I, I feel like. Especially when you're already married. <laughs> Laura, has anybody helped you? Deborah, definitely. Are you going to watch it? Are you going to fuck someone else? Are you going to watch Friends? No, no, I'm going to watch it definitely without James. Wow. Um, is that because I undermined your belief in monogamy? <laughs> Let's check the school's producer, Ben. Well, they're very exciting because Margaret and Deborah now have six and a half, and Michael and Richard have seven. would hate this next round is Ask the Expert. Ask, 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 ask. In this round, the panel have to second guess what someone with mad S-K-I-L-Z would do in some extreme scenarios. So let's welcome today's trained professional is expert dominatrix Miranda Kane. So, uh, panel, in a moment, you're going to have to second-guess what Miranda would do in some dominatrix-based scenarios. But before that, you've got a chance to get to know her a bit better by asking her some questions. My first one... (laughs) Were you recruited, like, in MI6? (laughs) Oh! (laughs) It's interesting, because I was going to ask about workplace pensions. (laughs) Oh, I wish! Don't worry, I will bring out my soapbox later if you really want to talk about that one. But as for getting involved in it, what I realised when I first moved to London, I started going on internet dates and stuff like that. And I realised that being a fat girl, there's a certain set of guys who fancy us but don't want us to meet their mates. And so I thought, well, maybe the best thing to do were to become a dominatrix or a sex worker and actually get them to pay me to slam their balls in a drawer. (laughs) (laughs) It's the next step for everyone who's having a... It's certainly going to make that Michael McIntyre routine more interesting. (laughs) 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 What music do you play when you slam balls in a drawer? Oh, it's kind of music to my ears in itself. Do you have a soundtrack, though, ever? (laughs) (laughs) I do sometimes, yeah. I like to go for a bit of Rammstein if I'm going to go for it. Wow. Yeah, do hast, mate, do hast. (laughs) Really get into that shit. Classical music just doesn't cut it, unless you're a serial killer, in which case, blinding, not a problem. Do you know when they're serial killers, though? <laughs> do you? Well, do I know whether they're yeah, a serial... Yeah. It's hard to tell when you've got them tied to the bed. Yeah. 
and your knickers shoved in the mouth. Like, it's, it's fine. I mean, okay. I could be the one that's the serial killer. Are you? I'm not going to tell you that, am I? Do you give them a safe word or do they give you a safe word? They give me a safe word. So you don't get to choose it? No, because they might forget it because they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> when you said you put your pants in their mouth, mm. at that point the safe word is more difficult to say, I imagine. There are different things that you can do. So some people will use a bell on their fingers or they'll I'll tell them to click their fingers or tap the bed, tap out. So a sort of Morse code sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> For the love of God, please fucking stop! Yeah. It's a beautiful language. <laughs> How happy does it make you when they cry? Oh. <laughs> I've never seen Danielle like this, can I say? Would you like a training course I on it? I genuinely find the idea of slamming someone's balls in a drawer for money really quite interesting. It is. Uh, they don't tend to cry because that's something they've asked for. Like, everything is consensual. Everything is worked out beforehand. And so if they do cry, then that's when you stop the scene and, you know, you oh. see whether everything's all right. I know, I can be caring if they're fucking paying me for it. Otherwise, fuck them. <laughs> no, but, but does no one enjoy you crying? I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, have you ever cried during sex? I cried during yeah. sex. When it's very tender. <laughs> I was going to ask, is the draw tax deductible? Yes. <laughs> a really nice desk I've got. Well, here's scenario one. Uh, Miranda has flown to Glasgow to meet some clients, but unfortunately Ryanair have sent her bondage kit to Warsaw. She has a booking in half an hour with someone who wants to explore his submissive side with a particular penchant for bondage and ball gags. He's also asked for some light CBT, which, as we all know, stands for cock and ball torture. <laughs> However, without her kit, Miranda has nothing but the clothes she's wearing and the objects you'd find in a mid-range hotel room. Ooh. What would Miranda do in this situation? Mm -hmm. uh, Gideon Bible. <laughs> You've already thought of this. There's a lot of drawers. Kettle. Yeah. Kettle. And you know the bit the kettle goes in between the balls. <laughs> Extra pillows in the top cupboard, which are good for smothering, I imagine. Why would I use pillows to smother them when I've got a perfectly good arse? <laughs> good, yeah, good point. Deborah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm out of my depth. Uh, <laughs> The little shampoo yeah, bottles. You get the shampoo bottle and the conditioner and flick one on each ball. Right. No, <laughs> but I would like to make a note of that for next time. What if you get the biscuits and crumble them up in the bed and make them lie on the crumbs? Oh. <laughs> That's just exfoliation. That's good for you. <laughs> Michael, are you kinky? <laughs> CBB stands for cock and ball talk. <laughs> CBT. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but oh. also cognitive behavioural therapy. Yeah. So if your therapist yeah. offers it to you, they're not necessarily <laughs> offering what you think they're offering. But they're not necessarily not. So, Richard, have you ever worn a ball gag? I'm very, I'm so vanilla. I'm really not the the, this sort of stuff. The well, I didn't ask for that. That happened to me, and I went, What are you doing? And she said, I thought you'd like it. And I said, No. <laughs> You're right, that doesn't so, sound very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> now oh. we know what your safe word is. Though, <laughs> no. no. no Keep <laughs> it simple. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we are, I mean, I don't want to make assumptions, but I think we're quite a vanilla panel. I went to a spanking retreat once in upstate New York. Spanking what? retreat. It's good to get away, isn't it? <laughs> no, 
a friend of was mine. Was retreat from spanking? No, a friend of mine was going. It was around the Fifty Shades of Grey era. A friend of mine was going. I was staying with her, and she said, "Well, this is what I'm doing this weekend." And I thought, "Do you know what? In a sort of spirit of Louis Theroux, I'll come with you." And I have to say. I had a really life-changing experience with a New York detective. <laughs> Real life. He was retired. And he said he couldn't do it till he retired because then it could come out. So and you got uh, spanked. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It was really he was ex- only two days away from <laughs> retirement. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't really the spanking. It was the interrogation that was exciting. It was like being in a New York cop film that ended in a spanking. <laughs> I mean, maybe if he'd spanked a few more of the New York criminals, they wouldn't have re-offended. Yeah. Well, the thing that was funny that I do remember was that they did a sort of school scenario, which I found very uncomfortable, where everyone dressed up in school uniform and they'd do faux lessons and stuff. And we had to write an essay on... Um... You had to fucking work? This is true. This, this is, is a bullshit retreat. This is, this is so true. I could not possibly make this up. It's so true. And everyone wrote a good essay and no one got spanked at the end. The theme of the retreat was Dickens because it was always a different theme. What? I'm sure I'm not being... What? She went to the Dickens spanking retreat. I'm literally, literally what? talking out of school here because I'm sure you're not meant to say it's a code of silence. Anyway. Um... David Copperbottom. <laughs> Great expectations. <laughs> Our mutual fuck. <laughs> the old curiosity cock. <laughs> You're all wrong because it was a platonic spanking retreat. So you went to a platonic <laughs> yes. Dickens spanking yes. retreat. Yes. I was a dominatrix for ten years and I ain't never heard. <laughs> So what happened was, it was you had to do an essay because I thought I'm going to nail this because I read English at Oxford. I thought this is going to be my moment, you know. <laughs> and so I wrote all about authorial intent, um, but I got called out the front because it wasn't on the right kind of paper. Um, and there was the nun. It was a nun, and uh, some. I mean, she wasn't a real nun. She was dressed as a nun. And Are I was you like, having a breakdown? <laughs> no, this is a hundred percent true. And I was just like looking at her, like, please don't, please, please, please. And so she read my eyes. She, they're very consensual. She read my eyes and she gave me some demerit or something. I sat down. And then she was pulling other people out, mainly men, spanking them and stuff. But then later, another teacher, it was a lady who ran it actually, did a music lesson where everyone had a xylophone. And she was an she, she was an Shove that up your arse. <laughs> it's platonic. Anyway, it was... You can do it platonically. Yeah, shove it up your own arse. No. <laughs> She was an Anglophile. This is true. She was an Anglophile. She loved England. And so she'd felt... No, not one word connects to the next one. <laughs> Nothing. And so when I'd arrived, I was the only English person there, or so I thought. It was in upstate New York. I was American. And she said, oh, there's another English man here. He's called Toby. He's from Chelsea. And we both looked at each other like, oh, please. Turn away. And she was trying to get us together. And we were like, I never want to see you again. <laughs> we were trying to avoid each other the whole time. Anyway, she was like, the next song that we're going to learn to play is God Save the Queen. <laughs> and she said, and we have two real English people here. And she got us out the front and made us sing God Save the Queen. Because we were... The- <laughs> Spanking retreat in front of all these middle 
teenage men dressed as schoolboys with this man going, God, God, Honestly, every single word of that sounded like the game of Boggle falling downstairs. <laughs> True, all of it. Hey, Miranda, back to the hotel. <laughs> so sorry, Miranda. Oh, were you still here? Thanks for staying with us. What would you do in this situation? Turn the hotel into a platonic spanking retreat. <laughs> <laughs> There's several things that we can do. So, if you look at what people might be wearing, so a belt or anything that can be used as a collar and a lead. What? You can do forced feminization, so you can make them wear your what nice glittery jumper. To the cock? You can do. <laughs> you're wearing some lovely earrings, yeah. so if you take them out and use the point and scrape it up the shaft <laughs> instead of a pinwheel, there you go, or like point it into the balls. You've got to, you know, make sure that it's all Yikes. safe and clean. Uh, Put it of in course. some boiling water first. But yeah, boiling water. You've got your kettle. You've got a kettle. Got a kettle. <laughs> and let's stab it in. <laughs> And someone mentioned the Bible, like that's quite a good thing because what I used to like to do was sort of put the penis in the middle and just. Well, you don't want to lose your place. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd sort of just tease it between a book, like, oh, 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 bam! And snap it shut. What about the person who's reading the Bible like you? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm reading. <laughs> Miranda, uh, who came closest to getting that right? It was the Corby Trouser Press. Richard gets a point. Yeah, because you can have a lot of fun with it. Like, not only slam it in, but also, like, turn it on and just wait for things to sizzle. Oh! And press your trousers. <laughs> press your trousers. Yeah, so a point for the Corby Trouser Press. And Margaret said the Bible. And the Bible, yeah, I sorry, say that Margaret. for everything. Margaret <laughs> said the Bible. Wow. And the Bible. Here is scenario number two. Miranda has a loyal slave who's been visiting her for years. Unfortunately, Brexit means he's moved to Singapore with his job, which is working high up in gadgets and tech. I'm not saying he's James Dyson, that's just a coincidence. Anyway, he wants to carry on having appointments with Miranda and offers to fly her to Singapore on a regular basis. Miranda is keen to keep the client, but can't really be asked with all the two and throwing, what would Miranda do in this situation? Skype dominatrix. Skypatrix. Skypatrix. I think a lot of it can be done remotely. Remotely. <laughs> remotely. Because the kick is someone telling you what to do and what not to do. And actually, FaceTime is perfect for that. You could make them physically punish themselves, which oh, could be... slam your own dick in it. <laughs> <laughs> And some people do love it when you just don't give a shit. When you do, you just go, oh, fucking really? slam it. Yeah. yeah. But you get paid for to go, oh, slam your own cock in that. Yeah. I'm reminded. That's why it's brilliant. If she gets paid, you're giving it away for free. Yeah. <laughs> if they really hate Iron Maiden, would you make what? their Alexa play Iron Maiden? Correct. Would that be enough to make yeah. them... And that makes someone calm. Yeah. You can do that. <laughs> it's a, a financial domination thing. So what you can do oh, okay. is hook up their home as a smart home. So, for instance, you can turn the lights on and off whenever you want to because you all have the control on your phone. And that turns people on. Yeah, and you say to them, look, you pay me... 500 quid and I'll stop turning the lights on and on. You pay me a thousand pounds and I'll stop waking you up in the middle of the night with Iron Maiden. Why 
you, am I doing this for a living? You can even set up a program on their computer so that you can look all across their desktop, you know, like remotely control oh, right, their desktop. Yeah. So you can blackmail them and you can say, look, unless you pay me however much, I'm going to send all these embarrassing photos to people on your contacts list and on your Facebook. Is that not just blackmail, though? I'm it not, is I'm blackmail, but it's consensual. Consensual so, blackmail. So oh, they've set a perimeter beforehand right. of how much they want to spend and what you can and can't look at. So they might have a computer where they're like, oh, here's all my dirty pictures, mistress, please do what you want. And then you can... <laughs> Just do like they that. all sound like that? <laughs> they do. Yeah. In my world, That was a do. terrible impression of me. <laughs> <laughs> can you put an electric shock device around yeah. their cock? Yeah, you can well, indeed. Yeah, like like yeah. Can you orchestrate 9-11? <laughs> Pay me enough money. Sorry, did you orchestrate 9-11? <laughs> Miranda, is there anybody who came close to solving this tech problem? I like Skype tricks. Deborah got close with that one. You got close with the uh, electric shock on the cock. So <laughs> she certainly did get close. I saw it in her eyes. <laughs> Before you leave us, Miranda, is there anything you would like to plug? Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> Yes, actually. I've got a couple of things. So I do a podcast for the Metro called Good Sex, Bad Sex. It's about stone clearing. And I also do... <laughs> Isn't everything. And I also have a sitcom out on Audible. It's an audio sitcom, so yay. Uh, it has the right honourable Richard Herring in it. Yeah. Yeah. I play a pervert in it. <laughs> it got to number one, which I'm really proud of, but now it's sort of loitering around 69, which is very fitting. <laughs> and it's called Slaving Away. Thank you very much. Cheers. Oh, thank you. Have you got anything you'd like to plug, Richard? I'm on tour with my podcast, Rahel Estepa. Just about uh, stone clearing. <laughs> Listen to me, stone, stone clearing. Stone clearing. Do we have to say stone clearing as Deborah, well? Stone. Deborah, have you got anything you'd like to... Yes, Guilty Feminist is going on tour, uh, so please come out for that and buy my book. Before we hit the final round, let's see what the scores are. Producer Ben. It's all changed a tiny it's all bit. changed. Because Michael and Richard now have eight, but Margaret and Deborah have eight and a half. Oh! Yes! <laughs> Like that scene with the priest in episode four of Fleabag, we're about to do the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing! Do the wrong thing! Do the wrong thing! In this final round, what the panellists tell me what is the wrongest thing to do in any situation, the winner gets friendly scabies. This round ends when we hear producer Ben Burp. You see dead people, what is the wrong thing to do? Ghost them. <laughs> <laughs> You spill some breast milk on your laptop, what's the wrong thing to do? Make the baby lick it off. <laughs> Just say it's a new Heston Blumenthal thing and serve it to your guests. <laughs> your lover sucks their thumb, what is the wrong thing to do? <laughs> Continue knowing them! <laughs> it's insane! Every time you send a text, your phone does a little tiny poo, what's the wrong thing to do? Uh, I mean, not see a psychiatrist because you're having a significant breakdown with reality. Listen, mate, your reality tonight has been. <laughs> the, I mean, the truth, all over the, the truth shop. is odd. I'll yeah. give you that. Your teenage sweetheart gets in touch on Facebook. What is the wrong thing to do? Anal. <laughs> you're in solitary confinement. What is the wrong thing to do? Buy a seesaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
show a tray of biscuits for the winner, a biscuit of trays <laughs> for the loser. <laughs> it's a private joke. Good place to do it. Really good place. <laughs> Producer Ben, what are the final scores? Michael and Richard have ten. Margaret and Deborah have twelve and a half. Oh, well done, Margaret and Deborah. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Doing the right thing, Richard. Richard Herring. Deborah Francis White. Welcome to Michael Lake. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.